It was my grandfather who taught me to drive. He was taking me to most of my sort of uh, motorbike trials competitions when I was a youngster. And he's always asking, he knows more behind the scenes stuff than I do. And I'm there, he'll send me a text midweek saying, oh, have you just seen who's moved where and who's been testing where and that someone's been driving on a cart track. And they're like, oh, what? <laughs> so he's a total fan then. Yeah, yeah, total fanboy. But were there any other options? Or was it purely motorsport in your head? Or did you think, I could be an astronaut, I could be a postman? Like, was there anything else that interested you out there? I believe I have enough uh, driving skills to be a postman, so I could, Very quick one. I could do this job as well, but uh, of course I really targeted to be a professional driver. Welcome everyone to WRC Backstories, our exclusive WRC podcast presented by Bex Williams. Welcome back everyone to the WRC Backstories podcast. We took a little break just as competition was kicking off again in WRC. And my word, it kicked off in style with the debut of Rally Estonia into the championship. And of course, that home win for Oit Tanak and Martin Javeoye. Super fast gravel roads provided the much needed adrenaline rush that we'd all been looking for after such a long time without a WRC event. It definitely provided that. Next up was Rally Turkey, a totally different and unique challenge for the crews, which delivered by far and away the craziest stage I have ever seen. The final day, of course, the first stage on that Sunday morning, the drama was just relentless. Elvin Evans and Scott Martin claimed the win there and put themselves back into the championship lead. I have just about recovered from commentating on the roller coaster ride that was Rally Turkey and got to thinking that the best person to chat to for this episode of Backstories is the man who rode that roller coaster, calmly calling the notes for Elvin while chaos surrounded them. From the days starting out at M Sport as a technician to the dizzy heights of his first WRC win in Sweden this year, co-driver Scott Martin has come a long way and has a lot of stories to tell. Do whatever it is to make yourself comfortable. Settle in and listen to one of the most informed, professional and hands down the nicest guy you'll find in the WRC service park. I'm delighted to say that Scott Martin joins me on the line now from home, which is a rare occasion for a driver or a co-driver to actually be at home these days. So much testing, so much preparation for rallies, but he is comfortably at home, glass of water at his side, ready to spill the beans on his life to date so far. Scott, thank you for joining me. It's lovely to see your face on the screen right now. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, good. It's good to see you as well. We don't often see each other between uh, between events, so this is nice. It is nice. This and is nice. I, I tell you what, it's nice to see your whole face as well, because on events now, <laughs> we see each other from the eyes up, really. That's it. Everyone's covered with a mask, understandably. So it's kind of nice to see your smiley face for a change. Yeah, it's true. It's true. It's different days now, isn't it? You know, uh, when you leave the house, it's mask on basically nearly everywhere, so... But that's to say we'll get used to that because it seems like it's going to be around with us for a while. Yeah, I think it is, isn't it? How, how have you been dealing with, you know, everything that happened during, during lockdown and, and being at home? Because I know, you know, you've got a young child, so it was nice to, I guess, have some time at home with him. But weird times, right? Yeah, really weird, really weird. But as you said, um, you know, Todd's 14 months now, so 
there was a good chunk of that where we weren't allowed to go out or we weren't allowed to travel where I was at home with him. So that's time that you'll never get back, I guess. And, you know, you, you lose that time with family generally when you do this, when you do this sport. So, but that's, you know, that's what we, we know and uh, we cope with that. But, uh, but no, I mean, taking the positives from, a, you know, a bad situation worldwide, uh, you know, I had, you know, that to, to uh, really, you know, enjoy and, and, you know, it's all new experience for me as well. So, so uh, yeah, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's at the, at the beginning when it was fully locked down after um, Mexico, um, you know, here in Andorra, we weren't allowed out the house unless you were going to the shop. Um, so you'd have to go on your own. Mm. Um, and then bit by bit, once, uh, once the, I mean, here in Andorra, we actually got to zero cases after about a month, I think. Yeah. So, so then, then they started to allow us out, you know, every other day and then it was every day and then, um, yeah. And then it was, you know, I wouldn't say normal, but, uh, with zero cases in the country, we could really get back to normal ways and train outside and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then as things started to open up again, like the borders to Spain and France and, and everybody started to kind of move around a bit, then inevitably uh, the cases rose again. And, and obviously today we're now, you know, back with restrictions and, you know, quite a quite quite a lot of restrictions back in place now. Um, so let's see, just to try and try and uh, get the numbers in place before the winter season, because they heavily rely on tourism out here, and the ski season will start in uh, two months, yeah, yeah, end of November. So they they want to really try and get on top of that before before they hit the winter season. So, but yeah, through lockdown, you know, you just had to make the best best of a bad situation and. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, when we started to move around a lot, it was um, really nice to go biking nearly every day. And, and you know, the, the mountains here, it's it's a big playground. Uh, and it's it's something that I really enjoy. I've, I've loved it all my life. So to actually live here and be able and, and have the time at home like we did to be then able to go and do it was was really quite nice. Yeah, you're, you're right. You've got to take the positives, the the silver lining out of out of a bad situation. And I think everyone felt the same and everybody I've spoken to on these podcasts has said the same you know they've enjoyed time at home you know being with the family because as I mentioned at the start Scott it's it's a rare day really isn't it for you guys because you know what a lot of people don't realize it's not just the events for you you're out at events early but there's the testing as well which takes up so much time and PR activities with Toyota there's there's all kinds of things that are going on behind the scenes that you guys are required to do so being at home is yeah, unusual. I bet Kaz had you doing the DIY, the, uh, the laundry <laughs> oh, yeah. and the cooking. Oh, the job list has never been so short. <laughs> I bet. So, oh. But yeah, like as you said, since my career started way back in, well, even when I was traveling with M Sport as a mechanic in, from 98, 99 on, it's very rarely that I'd be at home for that period. I don't think it ever happened. So, you know, that's that's a long time to be yeah. on the road and always traveling here, there and everywhere. And, uh, yeah, you know, like you said, take the rough with the smooth and just try and, you know, make the best of a bad job. And cause that won't come around again. Hopefully that's fingers <laughs> hopefully crossed. Hopefully it won't. Oh God. Yeah. Hopefully In it our won't. lifetime or anyone's that we don't have, have that again. So, uh, you just have to, yeah, make the most of it, learn something new, do something that you, you look back and go, oh, well, I benefited some way or another. Come on then, what did you learn? What, what something new did you learn? You can speak <laughs> fluent Spanish father. now, right? <laughs> How to be a father. 
No, that was on the list as well, the Spanish thing, all the, and it, it just never quite made it enough uh, to the top. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, let's say that was a little bit of a regret because I had all good intentions, but no, that, that kept getting pushed down. But no, I wouldn't say I, I uh, just like I said, going back, I was training a lot and, uh, and biking a lot and trying to enjoy Andorra for what it offers um, during the summer months. Yeah. And um, yeah, and obviously being a father, it was just, you know, all, it was all with him, spending as much time I could with, with Todd. Well, let's talk about you now, because you, you briefly mentioned there, and we will come back to this, the fact that, you know, you started your kind of rallying career back in, in 98, 99. And I'm sure a lot of people might be surprised by that, because you've been around a long time now, Scotty Martin, <laughs> kind of the same yeah. timeline as myself. But before we get into any of that, the way we've kickstarted these podcasts off has been obviously to, we're finding out about you. So I want you to describe yourself in three words any three words scott how would you describe yourself um no i've been thinking about this but uh no so i would say um i would say fun passionate and sociable <laughs> yeah, I would completely agree with those words <laughs> as well. I absolutely would. Uh, and we'll get to talking about that a little bit later on also. But I want to know about the early Scott Martin, because I don't know a lot about the early Scott, what he was like at school, what he was like growing up. Tell me a little bit about the early life with you. Um, oh, God, how, how much detail do you want? Um, <laughs> well, tell, were, you, were you a good child, first and foremost, or were you a, a bit of a feisty child? Did you, did you follow the rules, or were you a rule breaker? Um, yeah, I think I was a very energetic child. I think uh, everyone said that I used to run around, never used to stay still at all. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I think I, was, I think I was a bit of a rule breaker, I think. Uh, even in through my teenagers, in my teenage years, um, I was based near the M Sport factory until I was about 11 years old. So this is really where things started getting embedded in me with a motorsport and, and car background. Um, I, you know, I have vivid memories of, I was guessing I'm eight or nine years old and I'd be in the workshop, uh, you know, because it was based at Malcolm's house. Um, so... I can remember seeing the rally cars and, and being really impressed and thinking, oh, whatever happens when I leave school, I want to come and work there. Um, so I guess that's so where the So how did early... you get into that situation, though? How did you get to see the cars in the workshop at that young age? What was the link um, to Malcolm? Yeah, yeah, my, my, my dad and Malcolm's dad uh, uh, were business partners. So, so let's say they were family friends through, through business and then it continued to, to family friends. So me and Matthew were friends at quite an early age. Obviously, there's a, an age gap there, so he was a lot younger. Well, he's the same age, but you know what it's like when you're at that age. The the age difference is quite a bit different. Mm. So, uh, but then as the years went on, uh, Matt got older, and we started doing quadding together, biking together, and all this kind of things. Then you know that's where the friendship started, um, and and then my passion to to get into rallying. And yeah, I knew quite early on that that's kind of what I wanted to do um, was to be involved in the in motorsport or rallying. It wasn't necessarily co-driving at that stage. 
but definitely to be with the cars and, and traveling and, and all that kind of thing really appealed to me. Um, so yeah, I guess that's where it all started. And, um, then, uh, 12 years old, I moved from like Cockermouth, where M Sports based. Uh, I moved up to Carlisle, which is about 45 minutes north, um, just through my dad's work. So he wanted to, to, to relocate there. Uh, so that meant I changed schools and, and I was that bit further away from the Wilsons. So uh, that year, like from 12 to 16, I didn't really spend too much time down at M Sport or with Matt or anyone like that, really. Um, uh, there was the odd visit, obviously, because I had still quite some friends down there, but um, very much I was more Carlisle-based. And, and yeah, um, it was only when I started working at M-Sport at 98 that, the, that then the relationship picked up again. And Matt was obviously that bit older and he was into his cars then and, and, and even more so his, his racing quads and stuff like that. So that's when uh, I got even more involved, um, you know, as a friend with Matt and, and, and Malcolm was obviously my boss from, from then on. And uh, yeah, uh, that's when the, the rallying career, or let's say the motorsport career started. Uh, so that was the end of the Escort Cosworths. Um, oh, wow. And the, begi- the beginning of the, the focus. So 99 yeah. was the first. That was such first, an exciting uh, period as well, wasn't it? Really exciting. Uh, really exciting. It was a huge deal for, for M Sport and Malcolm, you know, to, I think it was a bit of a, you know, it was a bit of a battle for him to to bring the the Ford outfit um, up to Cumbria. So it was a huge achievement for him because they were looking at Cumbria and it's like, oh my God, that's in Scotland. It's so far away from from anywhere else. So he had to work really hard to get to get it up there. But yeah, you know, that's we all know what Malcolm is like. And then when he sets his mind to something, he often will get it and achieve good things so um so yeah that was a fantastic period very busy i mean the, the hours that we did was just incredible we'd be doing like we wouldn't go home we'd do like a night down there the whole most of the next day and then home for a night's sleep and then again you know you're doing that a couple of times a week where you'd actually stay down there and um and work through the night and what was your um, role at that time at m sports the first three months was just a general rally technician. Uh, I mean, I had no, I had no qualifications on cars or anything. You know, I, I was straight out of school. You know, quite green. Um, I didn't have have so many experiences at that stage. So, like to go and start working there, it was a real eye opener. And there was three three guys started at the same time as me. Um, always remember. And uh, I think for a long time they were still there. Um, and obviously, I was co-driving at M Sport for many years after I'd been a technician. But um, yeah, they've all moved on now. I think all all three yeah. of them have, have have gone on to different things. But um, so was it always in your mind that you know it was going to be into motorsport for you? You know, did you excel at anything else in in school that made you think I want to be an accountant? I want to be an astronaut? Or was it not like that? No, no sport. It was all about sport. Um, geography was my best result. I enjoyed maths, but geography was my the best result I got from GCSEs. And um, and yeah, like well, thank God, really, Scott, considering what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's that's helped. And um, yeah, and uh, like I said, I I just knew early on that that's what I wanted to do. And then even picking up the phone at the end of my summer holidays 
16 year olds I'm like oh my god uh, you know I'm gonna ring and ask for a job I wonder if I'll get it or not and uh yeah um and uh, like I said I was sorry I changed subjects there but I started as a rally technician then I went into gearbox so okay. I was a, a gearbox technician then um and I really enjoyed really enjoyed being part of a smaller department uh, and then when when I got to the events uh, I was actually taking on more responsibility uh, than a normal mechanic would because you were there on behalf of like the transmission department so that felt quite good and a lot of pressure I can imagine as well though yeah yeah there was and the mechanics those days weren't as kind as they are these days <laughs> uh, there wasn't as many video phones going around so there was a lot of pressure uh, a lot of wind up um so that that obviously uh, that helped my uh, initiation um some of the things that they used to do oh my god i got oh, sent for a long i get sent for sent for a long stand 2 hours later i then realized that i was actually given the long stand and i was there waiting for 2 hours oh mate <laughs> That's yeah. not good. But, no, but no. you know, I remember some of the kind of things that M Sport used to do to Howard Davis when he was weather crew, and that, and that could be pretty <laughs> mean, filling his pies with mustard powder and, and things like that. But yeah. obviously, it, there, there is definitely a great deal of wind up behind it, isn't there, within the team? Which yeah, is, I mean, that's, it's, it's nice as well as can be harsh. It's good for team building, it really is. And uh, these guys you're working with and you're traveling with them a lot. and yeah, there's some. There's been some really good relationships, and I still, you know, have good friends from from those days. So my first rally uh, with M Sport as a mechanic, it was uh, Argentina in 1999, um, and I just passed my test, you know, a few months previous. And you know, I remember it that you know we're in this workshop, local dealer. You know, that's where we're doing the repre because for long haul events, you generally go out there a couple of weeks before, do a week of testing, then a week rebuild, and then the week of the rally so it'd be the week in between and uh you know they needed some fuel for the generators or whatever it's like right scott here's a car here's six jerry cans away to the petrol station and get some fuel and i'm like i've never driven on the right hand side of the road before i only passed my test you know four weeks ago i'm 17 year old and i'm like you know the steering wheel's on the wrong side i was like what and you know and that was the, that was it back in then you'd got very very little help you were just sent out there and it was like you, you, um, you know, manage with what you have. Um, and that was throughout, you know, the preparation through, you know, if you had a problem with the car during testing, you had to fix it in that week, you know, and, and make sure you had all the right parts and equipment. And if you didn't have that, you made it up. Uh, so it was, it was very much like that back then and, and great times, you know, and you were allowed, you know, you were, you got a lot of abuse for it, but if you made the odd mistake and you got in a bit of trouble, you'd normally be able to, you know, you'd be helped out of it. But it, they kind of seen it as initiation and, and, and yeah, and, you know, you learn massively, you know, you learn quickly, you know, to think on your feet, um, to, you know, look what you've got around you and be ready to, you know, to react. So I remember, you know, in the car, heading right, okay, fuel station. I don't think I had Google Maps then. I don't even know about a phone then. And I'm like, right, fuel station, right, get onto the main drag. So I arrived at these traffic lights, four roads, cars coming from everywhere, turning left, turning right. It's like, who goes first? And I'm like, right, that's flashing something. That's flashing green. Right, I'm going. And there was carnage. And I just remember thinking, right, you know, I've, I've escaped that one. And I'm, I'm there. There's a fuel station. Right. 
I'm, I'm on a good way now. <laughs> so it's weird, weird the things that you remember, but it's just them, I think them little moments where you think, oh my God, problem. And everyone's like, sort it out, you know, not even there to help you, you know, go, go do it. Uh, and you're like, oh, well, there's no, no other way but just to, to get on and do it. So I think it was an important lesson. And I think uh, something that I would, you know, I'd pass on. Um, that, uh, yeah, certain to my son or whoever, you know, like, you know, get out there, do, do what you can do. If you get a few things wrong or whatever, then hey, so be it. But, you know, put yourself out there and, 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 and just, uh, and go with it. I mean, there's a lot of preparation you can do nowadays. So that speaks for itself. Uh, but you know, sometimes you have to think on your feet, whatever situation it might be. Um, and, and that's where it, you know, it pays off to have the experience. So I was at, I was at M Sport until 2005. Um, and that's when I, I decided to, to leave because the co-driving was um, becoming more intensive. And, and uh, yeah, it was just, there was a lot going on. Uh, so yeah. so you, you mentioned earlier that, you know, motorsport was the passion, rally was the passion. Not so much maybe for co-driving at the start. Did you ever have a crack behind the wheel? Mm, no not really rally a bit of go-karting but nah no I mean I think I, I don't remember what year it was but we were testing in we were testing on a tarmac rally and it was with Thomas Radstrom uh, not you know a tarmac driver by any stretch but I remember getting in the car and then I thought oh god I wonder what this co-driving would be like and I remember just getting in the car with him my first taste of my first taste of a real rally car really and i remember just keeping my head down for the whole after about the one or two runs that we did i kept my head down for like a complete run just to see if i was going to throw up or not and uh, i remember thomas asking me you all right you all right and i'm like yeah yeah and i told him after that i was just seeing if like i could you know handle the sensation and, and not looking outside so you know that's some some of the things back then is when I thought God maybe I, maybe this could be you know something I could enjoy and uh, and just being around the drivers and co-drivers and I could see like the special relationship they had and and uh, yeah that's what got me got me really interested it was the, those first few experiences in car and out of car and watching how the guys work together and, and working working with them. Uh, it was something that, you know, and I mean, going back even years before that with Matt and stuff, we had these dreams and as kids we were like, oh, like sat on the stairs, you know, I'd, he'd be maybe eight or nine and, you know, I was 14 type thing. And, um, you know, we we're like, oh, right, you know, and we'd sat on the stairs with the helmet on and, you know, as kids would do and we're pre like pretending. So it was almost like a, a bit of a dream. And but I never knew at that stage how I'd get into it. Like I saw no path, you know, like at school, it was all about football, tennis, golf, rugby, anything, anything with a ball or, you know, but motorsport was like, well, just, it was alien. I didn't know how I'd ever, ever bridge the gap or get there. So I didn't ever think it was possible. Um, and it was only through working at M Sport and, and being involved and then joining the mo local motor club and, and well, just asking the guys, right, how do I get involved with this? How do you, do, you know, it just seems so far away from me like it just seems unrealistic to be able to do it because I have no idea what it takes or anything um, and that's that's really I just you know then you're in a, an environment with many people doing it as hobbies and 
and you get the right connections and, and, and so that's that's where it all started to, to happen but I do remember that, you know, a few times I was in the car I was trying to simulate what it might be like and and uh, and yeah and that's that's where the co-driving really started so it wasn't like a, a childhood thing really or it was a dream um, but I didn't really think it was ever gonna you know come true mm. I mean, you, when you were there at M Sport in, you know, 98, 99, 2000, those years with you know, Carlos Sainz, Colin McRae, were there some starry-eyed moments from yourself? Or you're nodding your head yeah. here, yes, there were. I mean, yeah. how, how did you interact with them? Um, well, I think I was more starry-eyed when Colin came on the scene and, I remember, I remember in Australia uh, cleaning the windscreen. I wasn't doing a very good job, but I was so nervous. And he actually just grabbed the paper off me and did it himself. <laughs> oh, so, it's classic. Yeah. So anyway, but yeah, I was, I was properly. I mean, but I mean, that as a young kid uh, or a young lad, um, you know, the motivation you got and and you know the just desire to do well was, you know, it was like overpowering at times, and that's why. Like I think you just have to give yourself a bit of a rain check and, and you know, just and don't worry, the lads did the lads did get me told and uh, I was taken off the vision technician uh, job for a while. <laughs> vision technician. <laughs> Brilliant. Can you clean a windscreen better now, do you think? Yeah, I can. I have cleaned it for a few drivers in my years now, so um I was better than a lot of them. Uh Elvin does his own to be fair, but that's not through seeing uh seeing my job so i don't know i'm gonna have to keep an eye on you the next time i see you go anywhere near a windscreen i'm gonna be watching just to see what the technique is like oh yeah it's it's yeah it's been well well uh mastered over the years but yeah my first my first few goes at it was a bit of an epic fail but um <laughs> I like the story, though, Scott, that, you know, you, you're talking about the fact, and I think so many people will be able to relate to this, that motorsport and being a co-driver or rally driver seems so out of reach. It's such a difficult thing to imagine because there's only a handful of people in the world who have amazing success at it, which you have. But even just to start into it for some people is, you know, how do I go about it? And as you mentioned, you, you joined your local club, that's the way you, you, you know, started to learn your trade. And you were incredibly lucky to be working at M-Sport and surrounded by such a wealth of talent in terms of people. I bet you were just like a sponge taking it all in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's, where, it, that's where it really all started. Um, and my, the biggest influence I had was with uh, when Marco Martin and, and Michael Beef Park, they joined um, M-Sport. Um, you know, and every, after every run, I'd be at, at the co-driver's door. So I wasn't interested in being in the driver's door, but it was, it was always empty on the co-driver's side as well because all the engineers and everyone was coming on the driver's side. So I would just nip around the co-driver's side and, and have a chit-chat with him. And um, yeah, I mean, just to have that as I was starting to do it as a hobby and uh, yeah, you can imagine the amount of questions I had, and uh, but just to have him, and you know, for him to give me his number, email, and say, oh yeah, any questions you have, give me a shout, and you know, that's where the friendship started, and you know, there'd be some tests that you know, um, it'd come to the end of the day, and quite often a lot of the work's done, and and the, there's some passenger rides, maybe with some guests or for some sponsors, and 
I'd be there just trying to see if there's that one extra last run that I could get involved with. But on some tests that maybe like there was some tire development going on, um, it wasn't such, you know, so essential that the co-driver would be in. So I'd be like, oh, you know, well, beef knew as soon as there's opportunity to get in the car, you could give it to me. And I actually um, quite often read the pace notes to Marco uh, just as practice and, you know, because I knew their system very, very well. Um, and uh, that you know it was great just to be able to do that. I mean, because I mean that it just felt like oh my god, I'm with Marco Martin, you know, rally winner, blah blah blah. And I'm you know come away from that and I'm co-driving in a Sierra Sapphire Cosworth or a Mark II Escort, and, and then here I am in a you know 2005 WRC car. It was just like wow. Um, but all them little things and yeah, like you said, a bit of a sponge and just ask so many questions uh, and all that kind of thing but I really felt like I put myself in the right environment to really really learn a lot um, away from the co-driver's job as well all the team skills and what the mechanics like what it's like to be on the mechanics side of things you know yeah because they they put in a lot of graft and it was amazing how well you felt after a bit of appreciation or just even a, a general chit chat with the guys you know like it was just like oh brilliant you know it just kind of made your day a little bit so I try to do that as much as possible. I have full experience and, and appreciation for what those guys do you know I know firsthand the, the effort goes in the long hours and everything just to get the rally car there um, you know for, for rally week so um, you know I try to remember that when when I'm doing what I do now um, and just remember the days that you know, when you could get that few minutes to spend with a co-driver or driver and, you know, have a, a chat about the stages, how things are, and mm. even just general chit-chat away from the rally. It was really quite nice. Uh, you know, you don't get... It seemed like you had more time back those days. You know, you're away for a lot longer. There was a little bit more downtime where now things are a bit more compact. You're always on the go. Uh, different media stuff and you know things like that and it's, you know it's quite a bit more intensive than it used to be but I still obviously try to to make a time because uh, it's very important you know the whole team is what what makes it really so um, that's what I've learned through like all my career like uh, before I started co-driving and I really think that's helped me um, you know have a career like I've had it's you know it's a long time to be doing what I'm doing uh, fortunate but I do believe there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that I've learned uh, over the years. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. I want to go back and, and talk about Beef a little bit more because I, I loved how you said, you know, he, he was your go-to guy. You know, he was the one who was, was helping. You could ask him any question because I felt exactly the same when I was interviewing and interviewing co-drivers in particular. Back in the days of the radio, he was the first guy who did our stage descriptions for us because he was so, so good at it. And we actually used mm -hmm. to, when they completed a stage, him and Marco, we used to ring the rally car and he, he <laughs> used to tell us how the stage had gone. And I felt that I could go to him with, with absolutely any question, however stupid it might be. And I know he would give me uh, you know, an explanation for why something is done in, in whichever way. And he was such a, a treasure to have as, as a person. He was, he was a great person. You dedicated your win in Turkey to him, which when I read it, I kind of immediately kind of tears sprung to my, to my eyes because I know he was such a, a huge person in your life. Why, why did you feel the need to, to dedicate that win to him? What was the, the reasoning behind it? 
I don't know. Um, well, I think obviously the timing of it, it was only a couple of days before that um, it had been to the day. Yeah. Um, you know, um, 15 years ago. Um, so I just felt like with everything that went on that weekend, um, you know, everybody had a spot of bad luck. Um, it's just some had, uh, you know, and I think Turkey's always like that. It's the guy who has the least bad luck or the least amount of problems. And it just felt the way the weekend unfolded uh, and that Sunday, I just thought he was definitely with us um, that bit more that weekend. So, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, um, like I said, I, I did actually genuinely feel like that he must have been with us. You know, he kept us, kept us on the straight and narrow and, uh, and yeah, I just, like I say, I owe that really because of everything that he put in at the start and, um, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's the second win for sure, but I don't know. It just it just it just felt you you know you hear people say that you had this feeling and it, and it definitely was. I wasn't just saying saying it for saying sake. It, it was a genuine a genuine feeling I had. And yeah, as soon as we crossed the finish line, it was yeah. That's 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 definitely um, definitely for him. He's definitely been with us um, this weekend. So. And obviously, it was a little bit special. Oh, well, the t- the timing as well as a little bit freaky. It was like, yeah, that's that's definitely definitely for him. Yeah. So, so yeah. But I didn't get chance to work with him so much on on a competitive side as well, which was a real shame. Like my first WRC as a co-driver was two thousand four with Matt, so Rally GB, and then it was again um, a second uh, Rally GB and second World Championship event was uh 2005 Wales where where he was you know unfortunately killed so you know just one time really you know competing against him let's say although we're in a bit of a different league back then but to be on the same same event and you know going through the same questions and you know like working together on the same event rather than me asking about the bulldog or you know, the space side stages or whatever rally it might be, you know, um, that he wasn't actually competing on, you know, the actual build up to rally uh, in 2004. And you can imagine first time, you know, I had a million questions. Um, but uh, I mean, that was just great, you know, and then even, you know, the, the in-between stage chit chat that we used to have and stuff like that. Um, it was nice, nice to have that wish, wish we could have had many more, but um, yeah, and I, you know, I remember I was there at the stage start before we went into to the stage that they had their accident on. So you know, it was yeah, it's the memories that's good or bad or whatever, but the you know, the memories that I'll take with me. And um, yeah, I just wish the wish we could have made more, but yeah, uh, but no one had no one had a bad word to say about him, and that, that kind of his light-hearted and fun spirit and. You know, when he needed to be serious, he was, and he worked hard, and all the rest of it. Uh, I tried to try to remember that and try and do, you know, carry that forward with what I do as much as much as I can. Like I said, I don't didn't feel like I knew him so well when we were at a WRC event because I mean, for sure, as a, a mechanic, I was there and I saw saw quite a lot from that side. But out on the field, uh, didn't really get much chance. But yeah, there's a, enough. I've heard enough stories, and uh, nobody has a bad word to say about him. So it's, uh, it's some of the traits I've tried to carry forward because in this sport, yeah, it's it's one big family. Uh, yeah. So you don't want to make you don't want to make any enemies because you never know. You never never know where your path might take you. You know, I've come from 
M Sport to Citroen to back to M Sport now to Toyota and uh, the mechanics within that have all worked with different teams. So you know, there's guys that I worked as a mechanic with and are now they're now in the Toyota team. So it's it's just incredible the the journey the journey that uh, we can all be on. So and it's nice to it, I mean that's what makes it nice moving to different teams. You know, you know, because there's a lot of new faces, but you still have some go-to ones that you that you know, and uh, and that's nice. Um, that's nice to have, you know. So it doesn't feel all completely new. You have one or two guys that can fill you in. Oh, go see him, go see her, whatever it might be. So that's that's always always helped when you mm. when there's been a change of driver or team. It's interesting looking back at your career because you know it's been it's been long. You've done different things, but you know you've had that kind of build up of success all those years with Matt, and you did so many events together, and you did get great results. There were some tough rallies mixed in there. It was a massive, I can imagine, learning curve and character building experience as well because you went through a time in WRC where lots of different things were changing. In those early days, yeah, that's yeah, that's it. Um, you know, that was uh, yeah. It's hard to hard to really sum it all up, but yeah, I mean, I had a great a great time. We were good friends, obviously. So I mean, you know, you were living your dream, doing it with a uh, with a good a good mate, and you know, there was a lot of good times. But like you said, there's a lot of tough times when performances didn't come, and um, oh yeah, there was some there was some difficult times, and obviously there's the father son relationship with Malcolm and Matt that you know, went through some testing times and, oh God, yeah, it was, it was hard and, um, yeah, um, it wasn't, wasn't easy, but hey, it's, it's, if it was easy, everyone would do it. So, um, but uh, great memories and, um, yeah, but like through my career, I've had some really difficult decisions to make, you know, with different drivers and, uh, yeah, it's, 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 been a difficult path but um yeah it's uh what would you say has been the most difficult decision that you've had to make out there what's the most difficult one you've had to well like it's so the year that year that me and matt had a big accident in 2005 also a few months later was when uh beef was killed that was a very difficult time for me um in 2006, Matt was had a full WRC campaign ahead of him, um, but like we'd only ever done two WRC. Well, before our accident, we'd only ever done one WRC event. Um, so then after our accident, we had maybe five months out of rallying, which was our second year together. So Matt's second second year of, of rally driving. So, like we're 18 months into let's say our career. Um, and five months of it had been interrupted with this huge accident. And then, you know, like a few months later, we're going into full WRC campaign and, and only ever competed in one WRC event and we had one to come. And it was like, oh, oh my God. Um, and after WRC GB 2005, when I got home and, and with everything that had happened, um, you know, it was a very, very sad time, very emotional time. But we still had plenty of rallies on the calendar to do. We had um, we had uh, two or three events in Scotland, and we had the track rod rally in Yorkshire, which was the final round of the BRC. And um, and yeah, so you know we picked our heads up. We 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 continued. But when I got back in the car, something just didn't 
feel right. Um, I wasn't scared, um, but I think I just, you know, when you look back after those, you know, two or three months after, it was like, I, you know, it was the love had gone or my passion had gone for the, the sport. Didn't really know why I was wanting to do it anymore. Um, so, although, yeah, it was, it probably is one of my hardest decisions. Um, although I felt like there was no way I could do anything different. It was sitting down with Matt, Malcolm and Elaine and saying that, like, I didn't want to continue anymore. Um, so, you know, that was really hard because they couldn't understand it. You know, it's a, it's what we dreamed of. Um, and it was like, a, you know, an amazing opportunity for such a young crew to be given this full season, you know, WRC. And it's like, you know, sat down there and they're like, you know, it was tears everywhere and like, oh, you know, you're sure and all this. And I'm like, well, yeah, uh, even though it sounds crazy to say it. But yeah, difficult, really, really difficult. Um, and like I said, uh, we still had, uh, you know, a couple of rallies left on the calendar with the BRC tracker rally. And we also had the candidate event in Ireland. So, yeah, this, yeah. So anyway, made the decision. Um, one of the things I remember Malcolm saying was one like, you know, and one thing, you know, promised me go and see somebody, you know, to talk to, you know, someone, you know, out of the loop, you know, someone professional that might give you advice or, or whatever. And at that time I was part of the MSA elite scheme, um, which I'm, it's called the, um, what is it called now? Motorsport you You know what? It's changed its name quite a lot, hasn't it? But I do remember that British Elite, which was for co-drivers and drivers. Yeah, and then they then they joined the, the racing and the rallying aspect together. Um and God, it's it's left me now, it's terrible. But the, the scheme does is continuing and, and does some great work with and I you know I've done bits and pieces with them as well. Um but at that time sports psychology was a bit of a yeah, like a bit of a you only go there if you need help time there's a bit of stigma about it but quite luckily probably that we had been doing stuff with the msa elite um you know to do with sports performance with a sports psychologist so you know i got I had a relationship with a, a guy based in edinburgh edinburgh university um so the guys there robert reed and, and a few other guys um they kind of said right you know, maybe there was some calls in the background that I didn't really know about. But, uh, you know, I, I do remember Malcolm saying that and I thought, right, yeah, I mean, you know, that's the least I can do. Let's try. Um, so we set it up. We had three three sessions planned in with Hugh. I was based in Carlisle, I'd go up to Edinburgh for the morning, let's say, maybe two or three hours with him and then, and then back home. So um, we started that. I did um, two two sessions. Um, I don't remember the timing of it. I think, I think after we'd kind of discussed that um, I wasn't wanting to continue next year, that uh, we did the BRC round in track rod. We won it, so it was our first British Championship win. Uh, and I remember saying, "Look, I can do the job. Like you know, as a professional and as a you know a mate, I want to do the job and I will do it. Like I'm not scared. I know I can do it 110 percent." Um, so don't have any doubts about that. And if you don't find another co-driver before the end of the year, I'll, con I'll continue to the end of the year. Um, I just didn't want to get in to the start of next year and then like bail out yeah. when I knew I wasn't feeling right before. 
So I was more thinking about Matt and, um, you know, I don't want to start this journey with you and then let you down. So if I'm not right, I want to say that I'm not right. Um, so, but yeah, we won. And I think Matt was hoping that maybe it would just spur some life back into me. And I was, you know, I can remember a few guys on the podium, you know, after the champagne celebration, oh, you know, don't leave, don't do it. You know, you've got to stick with it. And uh, yeah, just made no difference. Um, I kind of think I just put the shield up by that stage. So anybody, anybody saying anything, I was just, no, no, I'm, you know, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. I know, I know what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, going back to that couple of sessions with Hugh, God, it wasn't rocket science to me. I was just writing things down. You know, he would give me some things to think about and do when I was away. And I remember going away. Um, I remember heading heading up to Edinburgh University for the third session. And I remember saying to the girlfriend at the time, I was like, ah, I'm just going to say, you know, thanks, but no thanks. for One thing the sports psychologist did say is like, see it out till the end. Don't make any decisions until you, until we finish that third and final one. Um, so, you know, I'd said like, oh, you know, I'm going to let it play out. But, I'm, you know, when it comes to the end of it, I think at the minute I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to say, ah, you know, it's not, it's not for me. You know, I'm not, I just don't know. Um, and he said at the start of our three sessions, he said, right, whatever, whatever we do here, we won't know if it's uh, the right decision, but all we can make is a good one. So he, he said that like from the outset, you know, right or wrong, you'll know that further down the line. Uh, good. All we can do is make a good one, you know, yeah. try and make the best decision we can. So went up for this session on the third one, didn't really do anything special. It's all just firing everything on paper, looking at it from different angles. And I swear, swear to God, I came out of that one wanting to do it. That's incredible. It still, still baffles me to the day. I was driving down from Edinburgh on the phone to Matt and and Malcolm or just Matt saying I want to do it I want to do it well you can imagine Matt he must be thinking I'm crazy you know yeah. I, I, like and they probably didn't believe it like because you wouldn't you can't you know you, you're gonna think mm, that might change and you can't you know there wouldn't be much confidence in in what I was saying um, and I remember ringing my girlfriend saying oh I'm gonna do it she thought I was crazy and yeah but like the weight that was lifted off my shoulders was incredible and even like because Matt and Malcolm they had um, they'd made some steps to you know recruit a new co-driver it was a big year for him so that that was already um, you know penciled in I don't think nothing was confirmed but there was words given you know uh, you know if Malcolm gives you his word then that's that's set so that had already happened but you know I remember saying oh well you know obviously I care but I, you know, I was that relieved to then now have a clear head. It's like, don't worry, I'll go and do something for two years. And then, you know, whatever, whatever happens in the future, we might get back together, might not. But at that time, I didn't really feel phased by that, which was a bit of a shock when you think that, um, you know, that was a glorious ticket with a, a good mate, you know, into the WRC. But probably shows how kind of mixed up I was and, you know, how much weight I was carrying. Um, but just to kind of see clear again and 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 have a a bit of a you know an open mind again and I think I think kind of to sum it up I just anybody that had any bit of interest or any bit of um, persuasion however small it was I knew they were trying to guide me or try to get me to do so I think it was actually just speaking to somebody that didn't care whether I 
did it or didn't. Like he was total neutral. I think that was that probably answers a lot that, you know, knowing that he wasn't trying to get me to do it. It was more just trying to lay it all out. Um, well, and trying to help you, trying to genuinely help you discover your path, which, you know, thankfully you stuck on the path. But I think everybody can understand why that passion, that little bit of a light had dimmed inside of you, given everything that you'd gone through that year. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it just shows how how um, important it is. But it, we're we're all much more aware of it now. Like it's, you know, everybody's talking about it. Every top athlete has has someone to help them with the the pressures and and to help improve performance. So, but then on the flip side, when things go wrong, then it's is it's equally as important because you can make some bad decisions if you if you don't seek it. You know, I could have made a bad one there. I mean, yeah, I could have turned circle in a year or two later, but things could have been different so luckily I went for help straight away um, and got good help and 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 yeah uh, and there was a couple of years there where I was just um, you know co-driving with two or three different drivers but getting almost full seasons at WRC so so uh, yeah a lot of people helped helped me back on that step again and and gave me opportunities to to fight back and and, uh, you know I appreciate all that. It was a real mix, wasn't it? And how difficult was it to kind of, you know, after being with Matt, who you mentioned you were friends from such a young age and, you know, you had the dream sitting on the stairs with the helmets on to be together. How weird was it then maybe jumping into a car with someone else and and having that trust element? Did you find any of that difficult? No, no. I mean, the couple of drivers that I went back with was Barry Clark and, uh, and Mark Higgins. And they were, you know, friends, competitors, guys that I knew, you know, nice, nice guys. So, I it didn't, it didn't, um, it didn't take, it didn't take much at all. I mean, they were both based in the UK, so yeah, you know, you could go and get to know each other, go and do, you know, practice and this, that, and the other, and testing and stuff like that. So, I don't ever remember that being a problem, Bex. No. Um, yeah. And at that stage, it's just you just want to try and get as much experience at WRC as possible. And you know, with both them drivers, they were doing uh, support championships, so you were fighting for, you know, uh, a world championship support trophy, um, which was the Fiesta ST championship and the the production world championship. So it meant that I was almost doing a full season. <laughs> I've just had a memory spark back now that you mentioned Mark Higgins and production. I remember when, yeah rally japan and he'd he'd done something to his yeah. shoulder or his arm what yeah, it, he'd broken his collarbone yes yeah <laughs> and you were co-driving for him and having to well assist with that yeah let's say exactly, yeah. oh my god like i drove down to his he told me about it a few days before and i'm like oh god right and obviously points were tight um you know every point counted um and he's like we've got to go we've got to go i've got specialist help i've got this brace that brace we've got to go right okay so i went down to his house the night before we're flying from london so went in and he's you know he's a little bit limp a little bit fragile a little bit reserved and then anyway we got in his bmw the next morning and we're off to the airport and we're going down one of the one of a uh, like a welsh lane you know typical narrow tarmac road not particularly bumpy not given that we're going to a gravel rally in Japan, but um, he was uh, he was wincing on the way to the airport, and uh, even on you know the normal 
bumps on a tarmac road, I'm like, oh, we've got no chance. We have got no chance. Um, but he was adamant, determined like hell to get there and go. So oh, we did it. We did everything. Did the rally. And uh, we were our main competitor uh, that year was Toshi Arai. Mm. So, you know, going to his home rally, it's like, this is a mountain to climb. Even if you're healthy, never mind if you've got a broken collarbone. So I remember, I don't remember what stage it was, but it was very, very rutted. Obviously, you're behind the WRC cars and, and, the, and they were built on what only I can describe as like an old railway line. So you had this big, big gravel. Uh, it was a road that was built up. And it, it was like like a rail line, obviously a lot more corners and everything, you know, but just the, the shape of the road and the, the, the size of the gravel. So that just produced these huge, huge ruts. Um, and that's obviously very hard for the driver to react and, mm. and to be able to, to manage a car on that type of, uh, you know, on that type of condition. So I think it was the second stage, maybe second or third stage. I don't remember. It got to the end of it. Or oh, we're going into it. We're going into the stage, and I think he was saying to me that he's Scott. I can't do this, and we were struggling. Um, we were struggling quite a lot with the, the speed, and it was looking like a bit of a no hope. Went into the next stage. Who had gone off? Toshi Arai. <laughs> so it's Main like competitor off the road. Oh, we, and I think it was mixed emotions, um, and it was like, oh, so I'm going to have to continue. So it was like, in one sense, it's right, your main competitor's gone off the road, right? And then, and then I think it was like met with a complete like, oh God, I've got to see this through to the end. So, so we did. And I think uh, points went down to eighth back then. Uh, and we, we finished ninth. We're getting, onto the, getting on the train to go to the airport. Can't remember which city we're getting the train to. But I mean, even that was a challenge in itself, you know, no English anywhere, trying to get a, on a four-hour train journey to wherever we're going. and. Um, and we, were, we went away with no points, zero points. So like, that was a bit of a wasted trip. And just as we're getting on the train, or we just set off on the train, I got a missed call. I think it was from Matt. And it was like, oh, blah, 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 has been excluded. You, and he was saying, oh, you'll pick up a couple of points or whatever. But then the phone went dead, like the signal <laughs> got cut off. So I was like, oh, uh, uh, what was, I said, oh, someone's been excluded, but I didn't, I didn't know who. Oh, so that means we got some points then. It was like this four-hour train journey without signal. It was like, did we get points? Did we not? But we, we figured we did. So we came away from there that weekend, uh, you know, knowing that it wasn't totally wasted. No, definitely not. I remember vividly because our little radio studio was based within the production area. So I remember mm -hmm. you and Mark coming back into service yeah. and just seeing how pale he was and um, yeah he just looked broken bless him it, yeah. it was a gargantuan effort that weekend from it both was, of you to, to be able but to happy, do that happier memories with and I was pulling the handbrake and everything you yeah know, I like, remember that <laughs> yeah he was telling me to do it and one time I thought oh, he needs it now and I'd pull it pull it and, it, and he was like well done on a couple he was like get off on a couple <laughs> of others so so it was a bit of a 50-50 on that one, but uh, no, it was good, good times. And I had some great memories with Mark. We, we won in Mexico, who won the class in Mexico, and that was one of my best results uh, to date. Uh, it was a good overall finish there as well, so that, that was nice. So yeah. no, some good memories and a lot of experience learned with, with those two guys and, and many others as well. Yeah, and then, and then after that kind of period of the, you know, the Barry Clark and, and Mark Higgins year, you were back with Matt for a couple of years then until he decided that 
yeah that was, that's it we, that was yeah, over from 2008 to um yeah 2012 well let's say 11 2008 to 2011 was full seasons and then 12 we did a couple of rallies but yeah their sponsorship was not coming in and uh you know there's some decisions to make and uh, yeah, not easy times, you know, difficult, you know, when you know someone's got so much natural ability, but something, you know, on some rallies you'd be like so quick and then others just not there. And we tried like hell to put our fingers on it, um, you know, with, with Malcolm and, and all the guys in the team. But yeah, for one one reason or another, just didn't didn't click enough. And uh, and yeah, so, some difficult times there. And so I spent a year in 2012 predominantly doing weather crew. Um, and like I said, we did one or two rallies, and I did, I think I did one, another one as well. End of 2012, I, I paired up with Khalid Al Qasimi. Uh, we mm-hmm. did a rally in Dubai at the end of that year, and then the 2000 and se- 2013 season was with Citroen and Khalid. Um, so yeah, but even when I had no co-driving, I still felt like I should be out on the events, you know, you know, keeping my face out there and. There was one or two new events that year. It's you know, and and we we, we were doing the job for the team, and uh, you know I like to be involved in whatever way I could. Uh, and then yeah, the opportunity came with Khalid and Citroen, and that was really attractive. You know, a uh, new team. I'd, I'd only own, known M Sport uh, from my rallying career. Um, so that was that was great to really put myself what I felt like out into um, the deep end. You know, like really really mix things up, new driver, new team, new car. Um, and I, yeah, I was like, you always had this opinion from the outside of, you know, the French team, the red French team when you were competing against them so many years, but I, I was, had a real warm welcome, um, and, uh, really enjoyed my time there. Met some, met some nice guys and, you know, people that I still continue to. Because for so many with. years, it was M Sport versus Citroen, Ford versus Citroen yeah. in the service park. You know, that, that's it, it what was. we had. It was just the two, two teams for, for quite some time. Exactly. After we, after exactly. So, Subaru and Mitsubishi and everyone, it just went down to two. Yeah, yeah. So I jumped. Like I said, uh, I think my earpods have maybe failed. <laughs> I think they um, might have. It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, um, so yeah, so I jumped ship, but yeah, like like I said, I, I really had a great time there and uh, met some nice nice people. And then it was the end of that year. It felt like a difficult decision as well. You know. Um, um, I was happy with Citroen, but um, I had the opportunity with Craig Breen. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, and at that time, a young talent, working hard, you know, very determined to make it to the top. Um, but there's, you know, there's thing, other things to consider as well, like, uh, you know, security, uh, salary, you know, bits and pieces that you have to, you know, take into account um, and decide, you know, where things are and, and, and where you are in your career so I think ultimately because um, you know I, I felt quite secure where I was um, and financially it was good that I felt like where I was in my career that I wasn't quite ready to stay on that path I still had a bit of risk factor you know um, you know great working with Khaled we were fighting for WRM we're fighting for Middle East Championship wins, mm. you know, on events and the championship, and we're doing some fantastic rallies together. But at WRC level, you know, Khalid was there for enjoyment. He was there, you know, for the competition. But you know, there was no, there was no lies. You know, there was no secrets. It was, 
Middle East is where his heart is and, you know, where he could, you know, fight for victories. And, and the WRC was about experience. It was about, you know, uh, marketing and all the rest of it for Abu Dhabi. So that's, that was quite clear. So, like I said, and I got advice from Khaled. I was really open with him and, and that's helped, you know, in, in the future that I was very open with him and he gave me some great advice. And he said, if this is, you know, if this is your career and if this is the, what you think will take you on where you you know where you want to be then then go for it so he he was brilliant um but yeah it was a it was a step and um and uh yeah we had some great great years um obviously had some difficult times with the car at that at that stage um so you know it wasn't wasn't easy but we had some we had some great times together and we we drove for Peugeot and Citroen so we were, you know with the PSA group for Quite a quite a number of years driving different yeah. cars and and everything and different different rallies you know in ERC and WRC and um, you know they were all new experiences again you know going back to the Middle East Championship totally different you know co-driving in the desert you know it's great to kind of great to do that as well um, learned a lot from from that experience um, might serve me well later in years if I decide to do Dakar but. <laughs> oh, that could be, um, no, yeah, that then, could be yeah, interesting. I had a great few years and uh, back with you know Peugeot, then back with Citroen, and um, and yeah, and uh, you know just carrying on when Craig lost his drive with Citroen, that was some more dark days. You know, really, really difficult time for him. You know, he he wasn't shy about saying how difficult it was, and you can imagine. Um, and uh, for me as well, um, I needed a job, um, and uh, yeah, and uh, it was difficult. It was difficult. It really was difficult knowing what to do, how to do it. You don't want to do anything wrong. You know, like I said, I've always lived by trying to do the right thing and trying to do the good thing for for everybody involved. Just trying to be honest and open. And yeah, um, it just got to a head where I had an opportunity of a, of a job. Um, and and some income and uh, you know and to be in the WRC full time because I had you know I had a few different other offers from other drivers and and Craig had some options as well um, but you know they weren't full WRC and and none of them were fully confirmed. Um, one was maybe fully confirmed, but it was who, the part. Who were they? Can you tell me? No, no, but, oh. no, no. Come on. From, no, 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 but, uh, but yeah, so it was difficult, difficult decision to make again, but, and that's when you start thinking salary again, you start thinking, I knew I had a kid on the way, um, so it's like, well, I can't just think about myself, yeah, so a lot of decisions to be made, and, um, yeah, ultimately it came down to, again, I went, Right, one more shot, full WRC with a driver. He's got a full program. There's going to be a salary. It's not going to be um, fantastic, uh, but you know, at the minute it's a job and uh, and and it's full WRC. There's a chance that we can still go for these, you know, the chance to win rallies and the chance to win the championship. So again, it felt like you know there was a bit of a decision to be made: salary, you know, career, blah blah blah. And um, yeah. Um, so me and Elvin got together, you know, it was, um, so yeah. was that, was the call from, from Elvin? Was the call from Malcolm? Where did, um, where did it lot, come let's, from? Let's say there was a lot of calling going on at that stage. You know, there was ringing around everybody, 
you know, uh, like, listen, I don't know what I'm doing next year. Um, you know, it's all up in the air. If there's any opportunities, let's say, you know, let's, you know, give me a shout or, you know, give me a think. So, um, I don't really remember the way it went. Um, but I think people knew from the outside that, you know, Craig had nothing confirmed. And then I was just, you know, speaking to a few people just as friends. And, you know, if they would ask me what you do next year, I'll say, oh, I've got nothing sorted. And they would maybe say to somebody, oh, well, he's got nothing sorted. Give him a call. So I think the phone calls kind of came from word of mouth. Mm. Um, and, uh, and that's, that's really all it, all that happened. And I think in Australia, um, uh, Dan and Elvin were maybe thinking, Dan had maybe some different ideas of what he wanted to do, whether he wanted to do it or not. But I think that came through Elvin's uncertainty because he didn't know whether he was going to have a drive or not at the end of that year. So let's say there's a lot of uncertainty going on. Uh, I remember that. I remember it being a lot of, you know, like you say, uncertainty, a lot of up in the air. And for us kind of watching from the outside, it was, well, who is going to go where? We're hearing Dan might be going off and, you know, and, and heading to Toyota. We were hearing all kinds of things and, and wondering who was going to go where. And I think in the end, it's all worked out pretty perfectly, really. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, yeah. It was. I mean, it was a lot of hard work again. Um, you know, new driver, going back to M Sport, which is nice. You know, I felt felt nice going kind of back home. Uh, it was quite a few years. What I said, I left on in twelve. Let's say officially left in twelve. So to be kind of going back in in eighteen um, after you know six seven years away, it's uh, it was nice. It, it did feel like going home, and then and but then it's you know straight in with hard work. You know, I remember uh, Scott. I remember you walking past M Sport in your Citroen overalls, that first <laughs> event that you did with Citroen and all the mechanics just giving you so much stick yeah, yeah. because you were, you were now the rival. Yeah, exactly. I think I walked into the hospitality once when I picked up the nerve to go in and I was escorted straight back out um, in jest and then given a Ford jacket to put on or something like that. So. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I was I was actually welcomed back in without any abuse or you know getting thrown a, a, an M Sport jacket to wear. Um. So, so yeah. Um. But a lot of hard work that year. Um. Just getting to know each other and and learning a new driver again and a new car and um. Monte Carlo didn't start well. We had a we had an off. Uh, the rally was going okay. Um. A couple of oh, I can't. Yeah, you know, and a bit of bad luck and, and, a, and a wrong tyre choice, I think. But we're, I think we're in fifth, and, and then we had this this you know corner where a couple of people got caught out, and so it started really bad, you know. Oh God, what an uphill we've got now. Um, uh, but then things got really good, you know. That there was next two rallies, Sweden. Uh, we we'd hit snowbank in the first stage, but then we had the speed to be fighting for the win uh, all the rest of the rally. So that was great. Um, and then Mexico got our first podium. Um, so. So yeah, let's say it started quite, you know, tough and uh, and difficult, but we got through it, and um, and yeah, we had some better times ahead, and obviously went to Corsica, you know, fighting for the win there, and it's like what a run we're on here. Um, anyway, we came away with third, you know, disappointed naturally, but you know, it was that, uh, it, it was a disappointment. I remember everyone feeling for you because that puncture on the final stage. But tell me, you know, when when things are going well like that, and it, it's a brand new partnership with you and Elvin, and you know, when you look back at the drivers you've been with, everyone has been personality-wise very different to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, you know, Elvin has, you know, out- outwardly to, to people who watch, he seems like he's so quiet, he's very private, he's quite guarded. 
think what people who know him a little bit better know that he's got a very dry sense of humor as well but he, that doesn't all, all you know always show on on some of the television coverage how mm. did how do you how did you find first of all that you were interacting and then when things were going well in Corsica how how did that kind of feel between you yeah good yeah I mean yeah like you said there's so many different characters there like and you know to get to know each other in such a quick space of time and in, in, in uh, and in such an intense atmosphere you know a rally weekend even on recce you know you can relax a little bit between between stages but you know it's hard work and long nights and then you're into this you know high high intensity um atmosphere where you're having to deliver and compete you know there's no no room for excuses so very very difficult i remember being in corsica and and you know how demanding corsica is for a co-driver driver um but certainly from a co-driver it's it's one of the most demanding um I remember thinking like in the press conference when the guys were saying, yeah, it's one of the most demanding. And I was thinking, well, yeah, it definitely is one of the most demanding. And I was like, we'll try doing it with the, with the new driver. You know, we'd only done three events mm. leading up to that. Um, you know, and that's, that's as kind of tough as it gets really. Um, so I, I remember being particularly pleased with that weekend, you know, how things were working, but there were still things we were learning and, some things that weren't working as well as you want them to and, and you're finding out you know things that weren't you know quite 100 percent and way you know ways to improve so there's a lot of, a lot of time spent you know working together to see how things could be improved and and and, uh, and yeah so it's just through hard work and, and being honest with each other and saying look you know that i can't you know i feel like that's holding us back or that doesn't quite work or are you, you know, are you honest like that, bit. Scott? Are you, do, do you, yeah. do you tell yeah, Elvin like when you think things aren't, aren't going right? Yeah, Does I'm, he tell you when he doesn't think maybe you're on the money as well? Is there a good honesty there? Yeah, I think, I think um, I worry about the timing and, and when to say it and when not to say it. I probably worry about that too much. Whereas I think, um, I think a driver has a different approach. He just says it, you know, and, and it's good. Because you know if they're not saying it, it's it's all right. So I'd rather it be that way around. And you can't take any offence in this game because, like I say, they're not shy in telling you and they will tell you when you probably don't want to be told. But um, but it's important not to let that get at you because at that moment they tell you is probably the most stressful time because it's just happening or it's happened. So it's important to kind of lock that away and get on with what you're doing. Um, and then readdress it after or at the end of the day after the rally whatever it might be because you've done it it's in the past and what that generally probably won't help going forward if you worry about it or you know you you regret doing whatever it was we all make mistakes uh, every one of us have so um, it's important if if you are told something or you've not quite done it you know, is to do it better or if it's not going to kind of affect you later on in that rally, is just box it up and, and just be sure to talk about it after or look at why it went wrong, check the video, was it was it something that was out of your control or, or you know, and try and, try and um, yeah, go through it all. And, and that, that's where sports uh, psychology helps, it, helps you to kind of put it all out there, work out why, because you can sometimes fix a problem and create another one and just keep going down this circle unless you kind of go back to it really evaluate it you know was it something on recce was it 
just not the experience or, or did you get distracted by something you know try to work out exactly what it was rather than kind of jumping to the conclusion that that's what it was and then and trying to create a, a new system or a different way of doing it and when it probably isn't actually solving the problem and just creating more work tell me about um the end of last year and the potential change that was coming up with moving to toyota and how another much change <laughs> another change in your career how much was that discussed between you and elvin or is that more you know elvin's kind of department and he just lets you know boyo we're heading to toyota next year or <laughs> something that you know you discussed between you no there wasn't much discussion wasn't much discussion and i was quite worried uh like or concerned i was like well what are we doing next year you know and i think he he probably wouldn't have bothered telling me until the last hour um because i think in elvin's nature is he uh, uh just through experience maybe never likes to really count on something until it's a hundred percent you know and i think we're a lot like that until it's signed or until you know for sure um, you don't really like to talk about things, you know, because it can go wrong or it might not go the way you want it. So there was very little discussion. I was like, well, you've got to be talking to him and talk to that. <laughs> you know, what's going on? And so I'd, you know, I'd ask a bit, but I would not, I tend not to ask too much. I, I'm, I, that's not my kind of thing anyway, really. I like, I like to let them on. But I just wanted to know, I just said, are you talking to them? Yeah, okay, right, that's grand. Like, as long as you are. I think the later it got, he was maybe a bit concerned um, that I'd want to continue. Like he wanted to be sure that everything that he was doing, maybe it was in the, the latter talks or discussions when it was looking with promising, he needed some confirmation from me that, you know, I was ready to go again because um, there was nothing. We had never really discussed it and, um, or we discussed it and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'll definitely go again. We're working well together, but obviously everything else needs to be right. We need to have a car you know, you know, which team, blah, 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 you know, if everything, um, if we, you know, let me know what you have on the plate and then, you know, let's talk about it. But definitely, you know, if, if things are good and you have something sorted then yeah, I'm, I'm up for going again. You know, I'm not, I'm not bowing out now uh, type of thing. So, um, but yeah, there wasn't, there wasn't much, there wasn't much uh, spoke about or whatever. I knew things were looking okay. He said like, not to worry and um, things are looking good. Uh, and then it was almost like, oh, I think I'm going to be signing this week. <laughs> so it was almost like, I was like, what? It's that far on. Right. Okay. So, you know, I've been worrying these last few weeks that, you know, you've maybe only just had a few text messages, but uh, yeah, he probably knew that he'd been spotted in Finland by somebody at a gas station or something and thought this might, this might come out that he'd made the trip over and not told his co-driver, but I don't know. But, uh, but listen, it didn't matter to me, really. Um, the main thing is I knew he was uh, discussing and, you know, he had a, a manager with him to make sure that things were done correctly. And, mm. you know, as it turns out, he was obviously dealing with some, some very uh, you know, experienced guys. And, you know, uh, but I, like at M-Sport, I always knew that, you know, he'd be talking to the right people because, he, you know, he's been with them for so long. But, you know, going to the teams that he's, you know, not not had any um, relationship like work-wise with them or or anything like you know I didn't know I didn't know what dealings had been talked about in the past or I knew I knew very little about uh, what had gone on so I was just hoping that you know that, that there was some good offers being made and and then when it kind of come down to it that um, 
there was a couple of options there. Um, and just through talking to everyone, it seemed like this was the, the obvious choice. Um, and, uh, and yeah. What a great choice uh, it's been. Yeah. You know, been- I mean, what you, I know it's been a, a weird year and we haven't done the amount of rallies that we should have, but mm-hmm. my goodness, what a performance straight away from, from the first event brand new team brand new car and I mean it's a it's a full different lineup for Toyota so what a you know a massive not risk for them because they had such great drivers but what a change for them as well and to be rewarded with consistency from from you first and foremost in Monty and then the win in Sweden what a start incredible I mean despite how this year's turned out to start them first three rallies like we did was just like incredible like really really was good I mean like new like completely new for elvin like you know i'd swapped around teams and i had a good understanding about things and know a lot more people you know in different teams and stuff like that and what you've got to look out for and you know elvin's coming into this like he obviously he's gone through different cars and transitions with different cars but always you know with the same people and in the same environment so yeah it was a huge step for him i believed it was a huge step for him um and that's where I thought maybe it would just take a little bit longer for Elvin to adapt than, let's say, Ogier, who has changed cars mm. and, and won numerous Monte Carlos in a new car. So it's like, well, I mean, if anyone can do it, Seb's going to be the man that can do it. Um, and we're just going to have to accept that it might take a little bit longer. But no, like, uh, I mean, and that's all credit to Toyota and the guys behind the scenes and, you know, the work that they put in to, to, to give us what we needed. And, um, and, you know, the preparation, you know, has to have been like top level to kind of deliver what we, what, what we delivered. Um, and it was fantastic. I mean, we were going into that Sunday morning um, down in Monaco leading the rally, you know, leading Monte Carlo rally. It was just like, wow. Um, and, and just that last, you know, that day for, you know, just a small setup that, with not ever ever driven that car over those stages before, like our other competitors had, um, just slightly getting the setup wrong uh, for both of us, just just you know meant that we couldn't couldn't have the speed that, that Thierry had that day, um, and we had it all day, and that, and there was couldn't really change the car enough to to make the difference. So yeah, a bit of a shame, but what a start, and then um, yeah, in Sweden, like from the first. From the first stage of like it was like wow away we go and we, we had confidence from the year before um with what we'd done with the, the fiesta and mm. uh, that the speed was there if we got the right car and got the setup right we knew we could be fast um but yeah i mean it just but that was a weird event as well i mean what a what a crazy yeah. event that was and not so much snow but it, 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 and it obviously reduced a little bit because of that and it, it was strange but you dominated that event and you had your first WRC win. I mean, yeah. I mean, Scott, that's, it's such a special, the first ones are always really special yeah. but to have rallied for so long as you have. Yeah. And then, you know, it yeah. comes straight away with a brand yeah. new team. Yeah. What, you know, when yeah. you look back on it now, is it still a little bit surreal? Yeah, it is a bit. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah. Special, special one. And, I mean, just the timing, like such a boost to win, like with the new team and what a way, like to, you know, third in Monty and then a win, you know, just, you know, I, I buzz off that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's something I've dreamt as, you know, to be world champion, probably 
you probably think you're in cloud cuckoo land thinking that you'd ever maybe achieve it way back then. But anyway, you know, you, you start getting to the WRC stage and you start, you know, getting fastest times, which is an amazing buzz. And then, yeah, like to, to get that win. But I'm overwhelmed by the whole team, you know, when you stood on the podium together, you know, like it's great crossing line knowing you've won because it's relief. There's a lot, a lot of relief at that stage. You know, you've done it. Brilliant. Wow. Um, you know, monkey off the back. And and then that's soon replaced by like, oh, you know, all the teams buzzing, you know, we've done it like in true, you know, speed. You know, it wasn't like, we, I think we th- we th- it must have been third on the road going into events. It wasn't like we had huge advantage of a, a day one road position. And yeah, it was a messed up event, but it was messed up for everyone and the conditions made it tricky. So, um, you can't take anything away from that. Uh, so it was a dominant performance. And, and then going into Mexico, like, uh, but yeah, to win the first rally, beautiful, you know, it was 132 events or something, WRC mm. events. So, I mean, it, it comes in all shapes and sizes. Uh, you know, some co-drivers out there now have only ever co-drove at the WRC level with the driver they're still with. Uh, they've had huge success and, 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 and everything. Um, and they've done it in half the time, if not less than what it's taken me. Uh, but yeah, you can do it. It just shows that any way is possible. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was a real special moment. Really, really nice. And and then like a new experience then again to, to Mexico leading the championship. I mean, you know, that was a, you know, it felt a little bit like dizzy new heights, you know, nose, nosebleed section, you know. <laughs> but do you, you know, do you, do you feel that when you're walking into the service park, championship leaders going into Mexico, do you feel a little bit taller? Yeah, I mean, you try not to feel it because it can often lead to, you know, complacency and, uh, you know, you, your job doesn't change. You're doing the same job. So if you start walking around like you're, you know, 20 men, um, then, and you make a mistake, you're going to look like a right fool. So, and like when you're leading a championship, the, the things just get harder. It gets harder, you know, in small ways, sometimes a uh, road position way, it's a big task. So yeah, the, you know, the hard work continues. If not, you know, it gets a little bit harder. Um, then there's expectation and, you know, but I think all that's, um, all that's kind of taken in and, and you benefit more from confidence. You benefit more from the, the buzz that you have, the, the great start you've had with the new team, the motivation that the team have. So I think, you know, all the little, you know, extra bits of hard work, you know, is, is, is covered up by, you know, your extra motivation and, and your confidence. So, so you, you use it to, to, to your benefit. Try not to, to think about other things that don't offer any benefit, but more just, just, uh, use the confidence, uh, keep doing the job you were doing um, and just be, you know, wary of um, new, new, um, what's the word, new, new, like it's uncharted territory for us, you know. Yeah. So what does first on the road mean, you know, like for a co-driver, it might be, you know, you're going to be the first guy to arrive on the control, just be sure there's no mistakes, you know, you're the first guy leaving out of the service park, you know. It's quite often, you know, you, you, you rely on your surroundings. So if you're waiting to go into a stage and you're four or five cars, you know, behind, you know, there's four or five cars starting ahead of you, you'll be watching them, right? When did they leave? Okay, yeah, I can leave then. Uh, right, when do we put our help? You know, there's yeah. all these little things you'll be doing. You're like a sheep, basically, just 
kind of following, but just, you know, ah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, that confirms that, you know. So then when you're first and you're like, hold on a minute, why is no one else getting ready? Oh, well, you know, so, and then, you, like I say, being at the controls, you've got to be on the, but, on the button because no one else has been there before you, um, except the organisers, obviously, but. And then yeah, you're gonna you're gonna expect to be losing time on that on that first day and on that first morning. So it's important not to be um, too upset. You know, you know what it is. You've already been told or worked out what you expect to lose going back through the years, as long as the conditions are same. So you can monitor your progress and your performance by what people have done in the past. Um, so you kind of don't look at the stage time as as such. You you know you wait to figure out how much you lost per k or you know if that stage was run the year before exactly the same you know was it a similar time lost to the guy who's first in the road the year before? So. It's it's so, incredible yeah. you know all of those things that you know, like you're talking about that you have to consider when you are first on the road. I hadn't really thought about that before, mm. but you know you are a bit like a sheep because you are following what everyone else is doing. But all of a sudden, first on the road, you are the first person to everything. Let me talk about Turkey and I will let you go eventually, Scott, because we've been talking for a long time now. I don't want to keep you too long. Turkey. Yeah, apologies if I've been talking too much. No, it's brilliant. We could talk for hours, mate. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I could keep you here for about another four, I think, going through your career. <laughs> um, Turkey, that final day, the first stage of the morning, stage nine, where all the drama happened and you know, quite a few drivers had called it, but the first to call it was was Ogier who said, I think on the Thursday night of the rally on our Zoom chats that we have now in the new normal, um, he said, you know, it doesn't matter what advantage you have Saturday night as rally leader going into Sunday morning because that first stage is going to change everything. And my God, it did. I mean, there was, it, there was such drama in there. Um, there's, there was bad luck. There's, it, it, it's a whole mixture of things really in that stage. But the second time you went through it, you guys thought you had a puncture. And I yeah, swear to God, I, we have never been so <laughs> quiet in commentary as when Elvin said, I think we've got a puncture. Julian and Which I just stopped talking. A little secret. Go on. He did it for the TV. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. Shut up. No, he didn't. <laughs> well, honestly yeah he probably yeah did it so we would actually stop talking <laughs> literally i was leaning closer to the tv even though i've got headphones yeah. on trying to was, listen for a puncture yeah, exactly. <laughs> trying to listen for a puncture trying to listen to you saying anything and yeah, then eventually yeah. about a kilometer after he said it you said i think we're okay and then just carried yeah. on with your notes as if nothing yeah. had happened at all was it a yeah. heart in the mouth moment though oh, it was a bit i mean uh, well, at that stage, uh, I knew there was no decision to make if, uh, or an easy decision to make if it was a puncture, we're stopping and changing. It was like, because you, you were know, right at no the start, pretty much. Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, I don't know how many k's. I think it was a couple of minutes in. I remember looking at the time more than the distance. Um, but um, I think I kind of looked right what stage time because I knew obviously our position in the in the rally at that stage. I knew what. Uh, time gaps there were so I was thinking more of a stage time um, and how long this you know torture was going to go on for you know leading a rally by that much going into what was an absolute you know mental stage in the morning and going into this thinking god what are we going to be like coming out so I remember being about a couple of minutes in I think or something and I was like oh Jesus uh, um, but anyway yeah 
I was praying that it was all right. And I didn't feel an impact. I, I didn't feel anything to suggest that we did have one. So I was like, well, right, okay. Uh, but it's still possible you can hit a sharp stone. We all know that. Uh, but I hadn't felt the feeling. I had felt a similar, I had felt a, a bit of a weird feeling, but it was more just the, like a, a grip, you know, that you were kind of just going on the ruts and it was a bit of a polished feeling. I kind of put it down to, um, but, you know, Elvin, maybe just fearing the worst as well, you know, but, and then I was just like praying. Uh, but yeah, I didn't feel it. And then I, obviously I was really trying to feel if I could see which side it was or front rear. I'm like, no, I don't think it is, I don't think it is. And I'll be honest, I said, I think we're okay. I was probably not 100% sure, but I but thought that's... there's no... I, I was also conscious of the fact if we haven't got one, I don't want him driving slow for two or three K. Yeah. And then, you know, you've immediately lost maybe 10 seconds to your guy, you know, just in that one split. So anyway, we were good. But see that first, I'll go back to that first stage in the morning. Um, oh my God, it was horrible. Like it was horrible. And what a lot of people wouldn't probably realize um, or know that Cali had picked up a puncture in front of us. Mm. So when we arrived to the stage end, he was only two minutes ahead of us. So the dust was bad for everybody with four minutes and we only had two minutes at the end. So oh, the, last, the last third of that stage was horrendous. And I remember a, a few corners, I got 5K from the end or something like that. I remember seeing the dust still moving like still kind of coming up from the floor. I'm like, that's not right. We, we're catching somebody here because there was no wind in these places. So the dust should just be stagnant, you know, still. Yeah. I could, you know, you could still see it lifting. I thought, we've definitely caught someone here and I'm checking the screen, like no, no information. It's not like someone stopped or have a problem. It's like, so we got to the end and sure enough, I, I looked at Callie's time and it's like only two minutes different. I'm like, ah. I said, we've lost a ball of time. Like We have lost so much time, you know, in the morning, mm. not knowing all the carnage that yeah. was going on. And then, yeah, I heard like over the radio, like, oh, such and such, you're leading the rally. Okay, there's still guys behind. Oh, and it's like, oh my God, you know, and then it was like messages came through that, you know, yeah, he stopped, puncture, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Jesus Christ, what a, what a stage, um, you know, and like we, I would, the sure, like, you know, it felt so bad, so hard, you know, you know, it's a, a hard, as I said, said it, and we knew from the recce, it was one of the toughest. But then to have those dusts, like that dust at the end, it was just horrific. You felt like you were standstill in some places and losing so much time. So, like, what a, what a relief and a, a euphoria to know that you'd kind of got through it and, and, and had better luck than anybody else. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, so... Yeah, going into that stage and then, yeah, we got through it and it was like, right, we've got through the monster stage of the rally two times without any drama, apart from, you know, a bit of dust. But we'll take that over a puncture and, and, and the time lost you get with that. So, And then, yeah, the, the only job we had to do then was, was make it through the, the power stage, which, you know, was a familiar stage, quite short. You know, everything that you want, you know, leading the rally, uh, you know, go, going into the power stage. You know. And there was no, I don't, like, it's always a bit of a, you know, the, you, your Tanex and your Nevilles and, and your Ogiers, when they get to the power stage, it doesn't really matter what position they're in, they're going for five points. But when you've only, like, you know, a rally win to your name and this is going for the second, well, oh, sorry, Elvin has two. And a win was going to be important. Um, 
you know, I don't think you throw everything on the line. Not at this stage. I don't think you throw everything on the line for, for the you five points. You've still got points, points you know, though. You, you still got some points. Yeah, we did. You know, Cali nipped us for one, you know, by hundreds. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I was quite happy with that. Quite happy with that. Um, because, like I said, it's a stage that we're all familiar with and it's quite short. People have been really focusing on it and we were, I don't know, we were less than a couple off the fastest, I think, mm. 1.7 maybe. So, you know, had we just gone maybe a little bit, it's all ifs and buts, isn't it? But like I said, we weren't throwing it all on the line at that stage. Um, you know, um, we could have done, probably wish we should have done, but anyway, uh, we didn't and it was, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. But still, you know, like, you know, going back to, you know, keeping your thoughts, keeping concentration, you know, we were sat in that regroup. I, can't, I think Daniel Elena posted about it. You know, we're all sat on the, on the tarmac in the scorching hot sun, waiting for like an hour. Um, and, you know, it's important to keep, you know, it's, it's good to kind of relax and, you know, just kind of take a break a little bit, but then to switch back on and be ready and no mistakes um, and, uh, yeah, and get to the end. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah, really, really nice. Say, and it was a brilliant result for you guys, but I wanted to grab Elvin by the shoulders and shake him for saying that he, it wasn't as sweet a win as his others, which I understood but he said, yeah, I don't like inheriting positions. Mm. And I, I get it. But at the same time, you don't hear other drivers like Thierry Newville when he won in Corsica last year was a brilliant reaction. You know, but you guys had had a puncture on the last stage. Otherwise, you would have yes. won. But yeah. he doesn't say, I don't like inheriting positions. And I, it's Elvin's way. And I, I get that. But it's some, sometimes you just want to say, just, just take it. It's, yeah. it's the win. Yeah, I was the same when he was chatting to me um, at some point. I don't remember when it was. Obviously, it was after the rally. And I was like trying to drum it into him. It's like, you have not inherited it. Like, oh my God, like you, you know, that rally, we all knew, like Seb said before we started it, we all knew that was the roughest stage of the rally. You know, Sunday was 90 odd K long. It was 10 K shorter than day two. It's mm -hmm. like, it was always going to be like a major feature of the rally, particularly that stage doing twice. You know, we talked about it months before or a month before the rally that, oh my God, we've got a 38k to do twice on Sunday and it's, you know, rough as. Um, so we knew and like we'd had bad luck on Saturday night. We were in second position and we dropped to fourth. So like, it's, a, it's the same. It's the nature of it. You know, you get a bit of bad luck, a, a mistake or something, or a bit of bad luck on, on Friday or Saturday. It's very rarely remembered or talked about or, but you get it on the last day, the last stage, then it's like, oh, you know, the worst luck ever, um, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's, you know, the later it happens, the more people put that result down to, to that, uh, that, that, um, that moment. So yeah. yeah, that stage and it, you know, and I had a couple of people say, oh, you lucky gets you lucky this, lucky that. I'm like, <laughs> no way. No. I'm like, yeah, we all knew that's a turkey rally for you. Look at its history. You go in and you don't have to be the fastest in the weekend to, to win the rally. I mean, like everybody knows at the start. And I mean, yeah, no one predicted that that many people would have problems in that particular stage. And it just so happens it was on the last day. But we had to go into that second, second run of it, like, you know, leading by a good bit, but still had to to get it through this like stage that so many people had problems with. I mean, mm. yeah, like I, you know, and, and yeah, that's, that's his nature and, and, and it, it's right. But 
I was trying to, you know, try and say, look, you didn't inherit that at all. You drove, a, you know, a great rally. We had our share of, you know, punctures and, and issues, but we had, uh, we had it at better times, which yeah. happens in every rally. Like every rally, someone might have a problem and they might have it 1K from the finish as they're going to service. Or you might have it 1K in when you're 60Ks from service of like yeah. stages. So it's, it's just how lucky you are and, and, and the guy who has the, the least amount of bad luck. Um, and, it, and just a bit of you know, fortunate timing that we, you know, we drove a whole stage with a puncture on Saturday and had to manage it. You know, and, and, and people just put that down to, oh, what are you doing? You did this wrong, you did that wrong. You shouldn't have done this, you know. It's, it's like, wonderful right, okay. how, how critical people can be when they're not actually in the yeah, like we co-driver's we seat. Yeah, we were out there and it's like, well, it's all about survival here. We need, you know, because this is a puncture, so we have to put it where it's going to least amount of hurt us um, and, and just get through because uh, we've still got a big day ahead of us tomorrow. So we dropped from, you know, second to fourth on that afternoon. And yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I woke up that morning thinking, oh, you know, a podium's possible like sure, because we knew what the day lies ahead. But, you know, Cali wasn't far behind us. Um, so we knew that, you know, to keep fourth, we we're going to have to, you know, go well. Um, but we knew that anything could happen. Um, and like I said, it's just sometimes when it happens towards the end of a rally on the last stage, um, you get people saying that, you know, they deserved it more than the other person or that I inherited it. Uh, but I think in this it's, situation... It, it's just you know, the way it is. Especially it's, it's, Turkey Rally, um, you know, it's not over until you have crossed the, you know, crossed the, the last stage. Um, well, I, I personally, I mean, I love the rally. I, I think it's great the amount of stories we get. And, and I love the fact that it's different to like Estonia that we were in just a couple of weeks before where it's flat out all the time. That's the strategy. Turkey is a completely different strategy, requires a different mindset. But I'd like a break from that kind of stage, maybe just from a rally, because my head was about to implode with all the information that was coming in. And I truly didn't believe sometimes when the producer would say into my head, you know, another one has stopped. Robin Bear has stopped. OJ stopped. Neville stopped. It's like, no, this can't be right. It was mad, but it, it was great at the same time. So we have yeah. a situation now where we're moving rapidly towards the end of the season. Your championship leaders, you know, the, the possibility is there obviously of a championship win in 2020 we talked earlier on about when you're leading the championship you you try and and keep keep your cool and and don't walk that much taller because you don't want to make mistakes how are you feeling now heading into you know the last rounds um yeah i mean you know it's good that we had that little bit of experience of leading the championship going into mexico uh, so we learned a lot from that um you know, we'd only done two rallies in, in the car when we, when we arrived at that event. Uh, first time on gravel. Um, so going into this one, we're much more familiar with the car. Done a lot more testing. You know, we've done, did Mexico, got a lot of experience from that. Um, but yeah, we've had a lot more time in the car and such like. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, we're a lot better, you know, prepared, a lot more experience ready to to go to sardinia and and uh, you know try and have a good a good day um it's going to be a little bit different on this uh, first day or the first two days of sardinia but if we're talking about being first on the road that 
you know, we'll leave the service park and do both passes before returning to service. Whereas we're all familiar with uh, the normal uh, itinerary where you go and do three or four stages, you come back to service and then you go and do the same ones again. So, and you'd normally go back out there with a car set up for the second pass condition. Yeah. So we're going to be faced with this different, um, you know, different um, itinerary. So that's going to, you know, change our approach. Um, but still, we've um, we've done a lot of work, um, and we believe the car is going to be really strong. Um, so yeah, we're just going to have to, you know, work as hard as we did for Turkey. Um, again, we've got a lot of experience with this event. I think we've got around 30k new notes to make something like this stage one is a completely new stage for everyone so that's going to be uh, it's going to be tough for us tough for everyone maybe a little bit tougher for us because we're first um, we don't have any any videos no real knowledge of it at all um, so our first first sight of it will be recce let's see how much loose gravels there maybe take a brush with us <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, but the, for the rest of the rally, we've got, you know, experience of it. We've got all the notes. Um, yeah, and uh, I still need to look um, at how well the Toyota did there last year. Um, I think I was leading the, was I leading the championship going to Sardinia? Because he'd had that really, oh, was that, mm. no. Do you know what? That's won. a really good question. And yeah, yeah, you're asking me at the Because he had that really there. good, like, was it three or four in a row? Yeah, he had a, he had a brilliant spate of events, didn't he? But I've got it, I've got it, but I've, I've yet to double check, um, uh, double check that. But I just remember, I remember when we were competing there with um, Ford last year, I remember being in a battle with, um, with uh, Chris and, and someone else. Um, and I remember just Oit Tanak being like unstoppable. Like yeah. He was just like so good on that Saturday. Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head on, on the Friday, but I, I believe we have a great car. Um, I believe we've done a lot of good work with it. Um, it's only going to help us. The conditions could be very different this, obviously, this time of year. The rain is forecast, which could benefit you, obviously, being, being first on the road. Well, to a degree, I'm not sure how that surface reacts when it's very wet because we really haven't been there when it's, no. it's rained a huge amount. Because we've always no, been there no. in baking heat. If it has rained, it's dried off pretty quickly. But Yeah, we, we had a bit of wet on the, on the test there just last week. So we got a bit of experience of it. Um, it, wasn't it wasn't like Welsh rain. It wasn't like Rally GB proper rain for us. But it rained overnight and then it was uh, rained a little bit in the morning when we were driving out to the test. Um, and then a, f a little bit during, but not nothing much, not to write home about. But um, it definitely created like a damp, um, damp road close to close to wet. Um, definitely um, it, to look at it and to to feel it, it didn't feel like it was cleaning. So it was like, oh god, this would okay. be good. But the times got quicker and quicker. So I think it did clean, uh, regardless whether it was wet. Maybe, maybe not as much. You know, you'd think through everything we know that rain helps, and um, and uh, there should be nothing different there. But uh, as we know, in, there's a lot of different character of surfaces inside the year as well. So we can't be excused. We had rain. Uh, we had rain one year on the Friday. We did. Remember? Yeah, we did. So you know, tire choice will be could be difficult as well. Um, but yeah, for sure, we can expect we can expect rain. We had it on the test last week. 
you know, it's it's going to be next week. So for sure, it's possible, and it'll probably just happen like one afternoon, one night, whatever. So if we're going to have it, then yeah, Thursday night, bring it on, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, we'll hopefully have a good day, a good day on Friday. Um, but they can be difficult stages on that Friday. I remember one section in particular downhill. Um, and some guys have really, really had good runs down through there. Um, you know, if you get in a good rhythm and, and the road condition, you know, is preferable, then, um, you know, this can be some big time, big time to be made. But I will be ready for whatever, whatever's thrown at us. Like I said, we did have a bit of a, a damp condition on test. So at least, at least we had that. Um, so let's, let's see what happens next week. I can't wait for it to get underway. I think it's going to be a really fascinating end to the season. Scott, thank you so much for, for talking to me for, for such a long time. We could literally go on for hours because you have such a lot to talk about in your career. But maybe there'll be a part two. With Malcolm Wilson, there's definitely going to be a part two and three. So maybe we can even yeah. fit you in for a part two and three as well. We haven't even talked about all the socialising that we've done over the years. The karaoke, your singing skills. You know, that <laughs> deserves, I think, a podcast of its own, to be quite frank. Um, yeah, yeah. You can uh, keep hold of the videos, though. Don't, don't air them. <laughs> oh, they're kept in the vault. Don't worry. They're on, <laughs> they're on lockdown till you reach a. Special That's why I'm Thursday. so nice to people. That's why I'm so nice to people because I know they've got so much on me. <laughs> <laughs> this is so so true. So so true. Um, right. Well, you take care of yourself until you get to Sardinia, then, and I will see you in Italy. Thank you very much, Scott. It's all good. good. Mega. All right, mate. See you next week. Thank you. Cheers. See you next. Bye. For more great WRC content, head to WRC Plus. For thousands of hours of archive footage, from end-of-season reviews and onboards, to features on some of the legends of WRC, that is WRCPlus.com, the home of WRC action.